Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. All right, we're back on this Friday edition of Rocky Top. Let's rock with fellow Vols and Rocky Top rockers, Ryan Shumpert of the UT Daily Beacon, Vol Quest, and now the Tennessee Smokies. Ryan, good afternoon, sir. How are you? I'm doing well. I appreciate it. It's been it's been a little little while since we've been on doing it. Glad we're doing it again. Have a lot to talk about. And yeah, you mentioned the Smokies. The the Vols have given me some more winning this spring than the Smokies. We're we're on a seven game losing streak. I know you've been to a couple of games. But yeah. We're uh, we're looking to get it turned around in Kodak here in the next couple of weeks. There you go. There you go. Yeah, no, I've been I was at the Lookout Stadium two weeks ago for the Lookout Smokies and then that was Memorial Day weekend because it was so dang cold. I was I, I was just so upset at how cold it was, and that I uh, one of the people we were with had to buy a hoodie at the at the shop because they were that cold. And I'm like, it is Memorial Day weekend, and I am freezing, freezing. It was it was not great, but I do like the Lookout Stadium; it's pretty dope. Um, also here, Ethan Stone of the UTK Daily Beacon. Ethan, good afternoon, sir. How are you? I'm good. I'm glad to be here. It's been a while. Yeah, it's been a few weeks. Uh, I went on vacation, got uh, burned with SPF 50 as a reminder that my fair-skinned ass does not belong on the beach. It belongs in the mountains, so that was a nice little refresher. But uh, I did not know. Did y'all know when you come back from Jacksonville, if you, could, if you do the Jacksonville, Florida, or I guess any kind of North Florida uh, return to Knoxville, it takes you through South Georgia, Jekyll Island, up through Columbia, South Carolina. Then you find your way through Greenville, and then suddenly you're in Nashville, and then you're in Knoxville. Like it's a it's a great little drive. I went through multiple states. It's pretty dope. I was I was all about it. Yeah, no, I've actually I've made that drive when Tennessee played at Florida in 2019, and a game I've tried to erase from my memory. <laughs> um, I was down there coming. <laughs> My brothers were actually there going to the game, and they had gone Thursday night football with Jack's tight. So we were staying in Jacksonville, so I drove to Jacksonville for that. Luckily, I had a test that Thursday and was not able to make the Titans-Jags game, which I believe was like the second or third, probably I think the third last start of the Marcus Mariota era. And I'm not sure the Titans hardly got a first down that night um, <laughs> and lost to the, to the, to the beautiful mustard Jacksonville jerseys on oh. Thursday night. Uh, yeah, so I made that drive, and yeah, you're right. It is it is a it's a long drive, but it's a it's a pretty nice drive. Well, let's that's just got to make it worse, doesn't it? In those jerseys, <laughs> those jerseys are, are not great. <laughs> I forgot not, about the mustard. I mean, they're they're nasty, but it was the color is the color rush Thursday night tradition of the the Titans and Jaguars. Oh, do y'all want to color before we get started on Danny White's fundraising acumen? Um, there was a uh, color rush game. I remember. I guess this was like four or five years ago now, but I am colorblind. So like I am legally colorblind where like I cannot <laughs> see the numbers and the, you, have you ever done the colorblind test guys? I've never done the colorblind no, test. No. Do y'all know what it is? I've, I, I have not. a for My roommates actually colorblind and this kind of told me about it. Before. Okay. Basically it's a bunch of dots. <laughs> they look like dipping dots on this page. And you, if you're colorblind, you can't see the number 
in those pages. So like you have to find like if you're not colorblind, you you're like clearly that's six, and people will yell at you because they're like it's right there, and I'm like I can't see the number. Like it's not how it works. I like it's just this whole experience that uh, people get very frustrated, but very quickly. But essentially, I cannot see the numbers in certain colors that cross over, and red and green is like the primary one. So, um. I cannot see red and green when they're on top of each other like that. And the Bills played the Jets in a color rush game. And they just, like, they got in so much trouble. Like, because so many colorblind people were, like, calling in. Like, we can't tell who's who. Like, we're fans. Like, we can't. Like, when they tackled each other, it was bizarre that I could not tell the difference between the Jets and the Bills. Like, because of when they would tackle and they would get close together, it really looked like they were the same team. It was It was bonkers. That is incredible. No, I actually kind of yeah, like I, maybe incredible. that matchup happened a couple. Maybe that matchup happened a couple times, but I weirdly enough like remember those jerseys and remember people complaining about it on Twitter. It was a real thing. Like we had a real complaint. I was like one of us, one of us. Um, <laughs> Danny White all in campaign was announced. Some people loved it. Some people were uh, not all about the. Uh, uh, whether or not it was tone deaf, stuff like that. What do uh, what do y'all make of this campaign, and do you think it will be ultimately successful? Ryan, we'll start with you. I think it will be, and you know, I think there's nothing for Tennessee fans to be upset about with the campaign. I mean, I guess I understand some frustrations with the timing of it because it seemed like it came out. I guess right at the same time as essentially no one was able to get baseball tickets for the super regional this weekend. So, I mean, I kind of understood some of the frustration kind of surrounding that, but I mean, like we were talking about before we got on, I mean, what that's in the eighties, number one job is to hire coaches and number two is to fundraise. So, and that's, that's what Danny White did a really, really good job of it at central Florida. And, you know, they have tangible things they're putting it to. They have the Neyland stadium renovations that they're starting after this season kind of bringing up you know what john curry wanted to do in his his tenure i think the renovations are are a little bit different and a little less uh wide scale than what curry wanted but it's tangible i mean they're they have a plan in place and there's no reason for me to think danny white's not getting all of a sudden not going to be a uh good fundraiser when he's been a really good fundraiser his whole career and now he's at a place with a a lot of people that care and a, a lot of people that have money that they're willing to give ethan what do you think Yeah, so on paper, everything like this sounds like a fantastic idea, right? I mean, to me, it depends on where this money will end up going, as Ryan said. Um, You know, if it's going to things like Neyland Stadium, if it's going to Anderson, to the training facility, it's going to Lindsey Nelson, for heaven's sake, give us, you know, give the University of Tennessee fans a little bit bigger uh, experience for, you know, what what they're paying for, I guess. But, you know, like I said, it just depends on what it's going to be going to. And Danny White has given me no reason to say that he's not going to put it to a good cause. Yeah, this is just it, like Ryan said, too. This is just what you brought in Danny White for is this precise reason. So um, I don't think we had talked. This was not in my notes, but this just uh, reminded me. But um, I don't know if you all knew, like had heard a few weeks back. I had had uh, Larry Williams of um tiger illustrated on and he eliminated that tony elliott was very very close to taking the tennessee job and that multiple people on the staff thought he was taking it and he had talked to people about 
ultimately taking it. Like, Danny White getting Tony Elliott that close tells me he knows what he's doing, and this is uh, not something... Like, he is he has earned the benefit of the doubt, and um, the complaints from Tennessee fans to this point about him just crack me up. It's like, oh, he's been too negative about the fans. Fans been crazy. What are you talking about? Like, he, him pushing back and being like, hey, y'all need to adjust your expectations. Six and six needs to be okay for a couple of years. Like, we're... We're figuring out what our situation is here. It was a bad situation. We'll get into some quotes about Pruitt in the Athlon Sports uh, season preview, which I think are pretty illuminating. Um, I don't know. I just think that Danny White has earned the benefit of the doubt for a while and that just let him work. Let him see what he does with his fundraising money. I think it, uh, it's important also. It seems like for happier reasons, Tony Vitello not going anywhere. Seems like LSU definitely not happening. Texas A&M just hired TCU's coach, so that's a it's another win. Embracing the supervillains and that Vitello is not going anywhere. Um, guys, June is opening up. Every school is putting together this crazy like welcome back to campus. Like here's why our campus is better than your campus. Um, who should Tennessee fans be monitoring on campus this June, Ethan? On campus this student. So I've, I've got a guy on campus and I've got a guy also in the recruiting trail. Actually, mm-hmm. I want to talk about when you, when you, when you sent this thing to me, the first thing I thought of was BJ Ed- Edwards out of Knoxville Catholic. Okay. He's kind of caught my interest on, on the recruiting trail. Personally, he's a four-star guy from obviously, as I said, Catholic earlier, he's gotten some interest from Florida, Auburn and Wake Forest among others. And as we know, Barnes is very in particular about his guards that are running the point. So I just figured, you know, it's a good thing to keep an eye on what the basketball's do, um, basketball team is doing just around the corner from being on more people's minds when baseball, you know, eventually finishes up. Um, as far as people currently on campus, you know, Caden Salter, people like that, that we just don't know what their um, – I guess future is with Tennessee football. That's something that I would like to monitor. Um, Just, you know, where does he fit in on the depth chart of this crazy QB room that Heifel's got going? You know, who's going to be QB one going into the season? How many people have a legitimate shot at getting that starting role? I just think it's interesting to look at all those dudes and where they'll fit in coming fall. Ryan, what about you? Yeah. I mean, in the recruiting world of things, I think in football, it's, Almost been more interesting who they've had on in the in the past week or since it's opened up. How yeah, ten days it's been, and the big name is Walter Nolan. I mean, he's number top five recruit out of West Tennessee, and I think maybe even South Haven, Mississippi, is where he lives up there by Memphis, and didn't have Tennessee in his top nine or top ten or maybe as a top eight, whatever he released a week and a, or a month or so ago, and kind of the. Uh, the beauty of recruiting Tennessee finds a way to kind of quietly get back in it. He was on Tennessee's campus and Gar- Rodney Garner. I mean, it's just kind of the magic of Rodney Garner is what I keep pointing back to. I mean, you have a, a big five-star defense alignment that Tennessee's out of and all of a sudden they're back in it. And, you know, he's decided he's not going to play at the private school in Memphis. He's played at the last few years and hasn't decided a new high school. I know there's been some rumors about him potentially coming and playing his senior season in Knoxville I don't know if that comes of anything, but but certainly something worth watching. And then two other uh, targets that Tennessee has been able to get on campus here in the first week or so of June is Cameron Miller, four-star receiver in Memphis. I think the guy Tennessee's probably in a pretty good spot with Alabama's the one to watch. He 
he hasn't uh, gotten offered by the Tide, but is going to go camp there. And I think has some serious interest if he can uh, get an offer. And then Isaiah Horton's another guy. I think Josh Heupel and his staff's done a really good job of recruiting a receiver in the Oakland or at Oakland High School in uh, Murfreesboro, Florida. The other big team in there, I think, as of a month ago, almost. I don't know if people would call it a laydown, but they were kind of thought of as to be the big leader uh, in that one. I think Tennessee's done a lot to kind of catch up and, and get in the thick of it. And then in the basketball world, even hit the big biggest name, I guess, was B.J. Edwards. But, man, it's, it's Rick Barnes just continuing the, the incredible recruiting. I mean, they've had a plethora of big-time recruits on campus. Brandon Miller out of Nashville, Tennessee, Cane Ridge. I think he's a top-20 rated wing. He's been on campus Alabama seems like when it's going to be thick and that and just a lot of it seems like every week they have a, a new top 75 player coming in so some uh solid kind of getting Tennessee back in the game recruiting from Josh Heifel just given the such the low state he inherited the program at and how far they were behind recruiting a lot of kids and then for Rick Barnes it's kind of just business as usual as that thing keeps churning on and he keeps on getting really talented players to come visit Knoxville that's a lot of names a lot of good names, but it's a lot of optimism too. Like I agree with the that we should have pinpointed a lot of the Rick Barnes targets because I think he's just putting together something monstrous. And I think this there's a lot of reason to be extremely optimistic about Tennessee basketball uh, going into this year and in the future. I think it's it's a testament to what he's been able to do there. Um, the Caden Salter note from uh, Ethan. I I don't think he's going to be a factor in the QB race. My guess. Yeah. I, think, I, I, I yeah. Think there's just too I, many I think... guys. Yeah, it's, I think you're right. More what I wanted kind of to just bring light is, you know, the indefinite suspension. You know, where's that all going to be? I mean, there's there's not really any chance, I think, of him starting. But I, I felt it was a good good thing to bring up just simply because he's kind of one of those guys that's in the dark right now. We don't really know, you know, where his story is going to go. He's in the opposite situation of Aaron Willis. Aaron Willis is like, they're, like mm. we've made this joke in this podcast of like us having to play linebacker. Like he's he's gonna be good. Like it doesn't matter. He could have missed the entire summer. Like that dude is coming back in here, and uh, they're like, yeah, he can play. Like he's he's coming in there. Yeah. Um, I I just I I don't know who's leading in the clubhouse. Ryan, who would you guess is right now leading in the quarterback clubhouse? I would say it's Harrison Bailey, but I could be wrong. I mean, that is, I don't even hardly know if there's anyone leading in the clubhouse. I mean, Harrison Bailey, I don't, it seemed like it went from Harrison Bailey potentially transferring to being the guy that I guess is technically, you know, by your term leader in the clubhouse in first place right now. But it's, I don't think there's been many answers there. I mean, I think that's why you saw them bring in Joe Milton from Michigan. Obviously, he's not the leader in the clubhouse because he hasn't even practiced yet, but I think he's going to have almost every chance to earn that starting spot. And if he can, you know, we've seen the arm talent. If he can show any flashes of consistency, I think he's kind of the guy Heifel might roll with. But I don't think Heifel hardly knows. I don't think many people in that facility know. And I think it's a, a massive question mark heading into August. Yeah, but this is a good problem to have. It's better than what it was even just a year ago. I'm, I'm more optimistic about the Baylor raid with all these guys. Um, this weekend... How does the UT baseball team match up with LSU, Ryan? Well, I think they match up pretty well. It's a team that they swept in the regular season. Three really competitive games. You know, all three of those games easily could have gone the other way. Tennessee had a walk, hit a game-tying double with two outs in the bottom of the ninth inning. Of One of them, Drew Gilbert, hit that and then hit the walk-off home run two innings later. 
went on another walk-off in Sunday's game. So while they swept LSU, it was a really competitive series. Uh, the Tigers don't have Jaden Hill anymore. He had Tommy John surgery about two weeks after that game. So the starting pitching is the big thing I look at. For that Friday night game, Landon Marceau for LSU has been really, really solid this year. And Chad Dallas, while he's been good for Tennessee, his biggest weakness is he's been liable to give up the home run ball a pretty good amount. And the way Lindsey Nelson Stadium plays in June, it plays very small. We saw that last weekend when the Knoxville Regional had a significant more home runs than the second most regional, which I think ended up being the Starkville Regional. And if Tennessee can find a way to get through that with Dallas kind of fighting against conditions that don't work well for him, I think it sets up really well for Tennessee. I think Tennessee definitively has pitching advantages on both Saturday and Sunday. I think Tennessee has a more consistent top-to-bottom lineup. Now, don't get me wrong. That one through four for LSU can hit really well. I mean, Trey Morgan, Cade Dowdy, Dylan Cruz and Trey Morgan are maybe two of the, the best freshmen in a long time in SEC. Both guys in 361. So a lot of talent in that LSU roster, a lot of a lot to play for for a coach that's retiring his last go-around. But at the end of the day, this is a Tennessee team that I think has more talent than LSU, certainly has been better than LSU this whole entire season. And look, the, maybe the most impressive thing this Tennessee team's done and Tony Vitello has done with this team is the consistency. There hasn't been a week this year where Tennessee played a team they weren't better than when they didn't take them seriously they didn't play well they didn't take care of business you know they're only two lost series of the year to arkansas and vanderbilt so i think it's uh certainly maybe an lsu team that's more formidable than the record looks certainly more formidable than the 13 and 17 sec record looks but i at the end of the day i still have a lot of confidence that tennessee is going to take care of business and punch a ticket to omaha ethan what do you think I think, to put it simply, they're going to be looking for some revenge. And a team that's looking for revenge is always scary, no matter what their record is. Um, you know, it's especially dangerous, given that they're kind of on a one-last-ride mentality with Maneri, and they've been scorching hot in the postseason thus far. You know, Gonzaga is a really good team, obviously Oregon. Um, so, Tennessee is the more talented team, obviously. This is me coming from a Tennessee segment on a podcast, of course. But Tennessee is the more talented team, top to bottom, uh, like Ryan said. Pitching, I reject Tennessee's your deeper. assertion that this is a biased podcast in any regard with this. Okay. Apologies, continue. <laughs> no, uh, just, just from a Tennessee segment on a Tennessee podcast. No, I, I agree with you. This is, this is unbiased. But, you know, Tennessee – top five team in the country, playing very well in the postseason thus far. No quit in this team at all, you know, sweeping their regional. I I think LSU matches up well with us. I really do. But I think Tennessee will eventually, you know, pull away and, you know, show that they're a top five team in the country. Yeah, I'm it's weird that I'm less concerned about LSU than I was getting out of uh, the regional like the regional there was real concern and the right state stuff on friday i don't know how y'all were feeling about all that like I, i'm assuming were both of you there for the walk-off no, i was there okay um, i was not sadly it i just I, <laughs> that was just one of those where it's just I, this season has just been remarkable but one of my favorite photos from that and just how big of a home run that was and just how crazy the stadium was. And I, I was concerned because that was a tough region and we got dealt a bad hand there a little bit, but uh, they went through it. And this team just, it seems like LSU is not the team to derail this season. I would be, I would be surprised if it ends up being um, 
being LSU that uh, takes them out. But um, I'm glad that there's bad blood because it keeps Tony Vitello away from LSU. And it seems like the leader for the LSU job once he retires is uh, ECU's coach, who uh, looks good uh, heading into their super regional matchup. But um, last thing I want to touch on today, guys. There, I love Athlon Sports season previews. I love this time of year where I can just spend hours upon hours studying up for this fall. And uh, this year will be a lot more enjoyable than last year, not having to wonder which conferences are worth perusing through um, because we don't know if they're going to play. Um, there are some notes on the Tennessee Volunteers in Athlon Sports t- Tennessee preview where they said, quote, this is from an anonymous coach in uh, the SEC, I believe. You get the fe- you got the feeling that he didn't know how to let go from being a coordinator, uh, the coach said of Pruitt. Culturally, they lost the kids. We heard that from transfers and gossip, but it's also on the tape. They didn't want to play. They didn't want to work for each other. There's so much work to be done here, and on top of it, they've done they've got to deal with the NCAA thanks to the last staff, the coach said. In short order, find a quarterback and some receivers, create that battery, and work on your team speed. Hypo wants a track meet but he inherited that in Orlando. It would be harder to build that in this league. The transfer portal beat them up pretty badly. I wouldn't be shocked if they're still shopping for skill position transfers. Ryan, what do you make of all of that? Pretty scathing, but fair, right? Definitely fair. I mean, the first, the two things, I guess, that stand out to me about that first part, talking about not relinquishing the coordinator kind of mindset. And I think, I mean, that seemed abundantly uh, apparent to anyone paying attention you just look at how many assistant coaches i mean i know there's a lot of movement in college assistant coaches but not as much as tennessee had in three years and it you know that he was a micromanager he really was and obviously hindsight's 2020 but just wasn't ready to step into everything that comes with the responsibilities of being a sec head coach and and look i think the recruiting scandal puts it pretty you know puts all that into pretty simple terms i don't think what tennessee is doing is was all that different than what georgia what alabama what any of the top schools from the sec are doing florida auburn lsu any of those guys but it's pretty apparent that tennessee got real sloppy and jeremy pruitt got real sloppy when he decided to cheat and you certainly can't do that you can't let you can't when they start looking they can't find burner phones with thousands of messages on it talking about illegal things your coaches have done so i think that uh was pretty apparent and then the other thing and i'll defend pruitt a little bit talking about the guys kind of giving up on the season and not wanting to play for each other i think all that stuff was really really hard with COVID going on you you're telling these guys over and over again they're getting tested every day and you're telling them they can't spend maybe not can't spend time around each other but they got to go back to their their dorm room after practice every day stay away from people stay separated and once things go wrong and you don't have that cohesion, I think it's just really hard to keep it together. I don't think there's many coaches that can. And I think a lot of people, a lot of the players would tell you that they really like Jeremy Pruitt. He was a really good guy. So I don't, I don't blame him as much for that just because I think the circumstances surrounding it were so hard. But on the other hand, I think that sets up well for Tennessee this year because we've seen Josh Heupel really lean into it the other way. Of We're going to make this team a family. We're going to make these guys – spend a lot of time around each other we're going to have fun and i think the hope from hypel is that's going to pay off when you have some tough days in the season when you have some tough games and things don't go your way that the team's not going to quit they're going to stay rallied together and uh on a season that you know the expectations are low 
but the schedule is pretty manageable. I think that could pay huge dividends because you could drop some games you're maybe not even supposed to drop, but you look at the schedule, there's certainly three games that Tennessee has no chance to win in the fourth one that you know seems unlikely is Ole Miss. So just saying the fact that Ole Miss is kind of the four-partest game on the schedule I think shows uh, how much opportunity there is for this team. Ethan, what do you think? You know, Ryan brings up a really good point that, you know, COVID really, really was something that I feel like people are not looking at too much from the outside when it comes to this. Like, it's hard for Pruitt to be rallying these guys in a football season where they can't really talk to each I mean, you know, they can't really be around each other as much as they normally would. But as far as the quote goes, it, I think it's kind of affirming the obvious, you know, People on the outside could see this stuff happening. I mean, the moment you could pinpoint a change, a serious one that can be viewed from an out, outside perspective at least, was halftime of the Georgia game. As, as for why the team was lost, you know, COVID was probably a factor, but it's probably deeper than we can speculate. But it probably, you know, starts just with his um, repetition on the field. You know, he'd, he'd do run-run pass on offense, and obviously that goes to the coordinators. But ultimately, it's, you know, his decision to – be able to step in and say, hey, we're not going to be this repetitive. It's inability to address the JG problem, inability to address slants on the defense, and just just all those little things I feel like connected into a bigger picture, and people were just, with COVID, not very happy when it, when it, um, when the season finished out. And, you know, we can see that now from, from this quote from plenty of people saying Pruitt, you know, wasn't exactly uh, – huge players coach wasn't exactly you know a guy that can rally guys and hopefully hypo will be that guy that can you know get the team together after covid um we'll be able to do they'll be able to do much more things together as a group and hopefully they can you know get back on the right track yeah we'll see we'll see um i think things are moving in the right direction i'm pretty optimistic uh i'm far more optimistic about the state of everything across all sports than i've been in a in a long time the Tennessee volunteers so that's that's the positive as we'll wrap up today's episode of rocky top let's rock ryan what can we check out from you across the internet this week yeah plenty of uh, tennessee baseball coverage i check out three two one from earlier this week kind of everything you need to know or probably didn't miss from the weekend against right or the regional and the walk-off victory against Wright state and then have a preview out uh, tomorrow on the the weekend series with lsu and then plenty of uh plenty of coverage of all quests and, and on the general's quarters and we'll have everything you need to know about the series everything that's going on and then on tuesday or monday whenever it's over we'll we'll have everything to wrap it up and either uh, start looking at the offseason or start looking towards Omaha and another challenge for this Tennessee baseball team. Ethan, what about you? So at the Beacon, we got Josh Lane. He's going to be our, our sports editor this coming year. He's going to be covering Tennessee baseball this uh, this weekend. Um, I'm Unfortunately, I won't be able to be there, but you know we got plenty of coverage on baseball coming out, and we're just looking forward to a good year this upcoming semester. Absolutely. Well, let's not talk about that. We still got two more months. I, I'm enjoying my summer vacation. <laughs> I, I would rather not think about an upcoming semester anytime soon. Thank you very much. I can. I... <laughs> All right. Well, that will do it for today's episode, guys. Thank you so much for the time. I greatly appreciate it. We'll be back next week. Sounds good. Thank you.
Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah.